listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Hey, so, uh, man, I was just so undone by worship. I want us to actually just close our eyes for just a moment. You know, the Bible tells us to be still and know that he is God. And I, I felt this morning that, that there were some that you walked in with heaviness, even as we were coming into the church. It was raining and dark, and, and when I went to go take Selah next door, it was bright and sunny. I just feel like there's a shifting that the Lord wants to do even right now in the soul. So, Father, we ask you to lift off every yoke even now. We thank you that your burden is easy and your yoke is light. Your burden is easy and your yoke is light. We quiet our souls for just a moment and become aware that you are God and you are above all things. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. You are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Therefore, you hold everything in between. God, we just acknowledge our need for you this morning. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're mighty. You're strong. Come, Holy Spirit. As I was in worship, I felt the Lord, the poor ushers, are, they're frozen. You guys can continue on. <laughs> they're like, oh my gosh. As, as we were worshiping, um, we've been on this theme of harvest. And why I feel it's so significant to just pause for a moment is one of the things we're believing for in the context of harvest is personal harvest. Say harvest. And, and as we were worshiping, I felt deeply in my heart that God wanted to lift off heaviness off of people. And so before we even move on to what, what the meat that I want to get to, I was thinking about Psalm 42 where David is speaking. It's actually a psalm of Korah. And it says, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, God. 
Where can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, where is this God of yours? So the writer's in a dilemma. He's surrounded by his enemies. His soul is desiring something deeper. There, as the deer pants, so my soul pants. And he's hearing this accusation that is saying to him, where is your God? My heart is breaking as I remember how I used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, and there was a great procession. Then it says this, why, is my, why am I downcast, oh my soul? Why is my heart so sad? I will. Say, I will. Let's try it again. I will. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my God and my Savior. Even though I am deeply discouraged now, but I will remember you. As deep calls unto deep. And then he says this, but each day, verse 8, the Lord commands his loving kindness to extend his hand to you. And I felt this morning, I'm just going to pray really quickly that there were some of you in the room that you felt a heaviness on you. Isn't it interesting that we live in a society that is so fast-paced and so go, 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 that we can be still for two minutes and feel uncomfortable? We're like, be still. And I was like, bro, what is he doing up there? But, but the Bible makes clear again and again, I waited patiently for God. And that word waiting isn't just, it isn't just a, a standby momentary stop. It's actually a pausing. It's like to say law. It's, it's, to, it's to stop all of the external things so you can have internal quietness. So you can rightly connect with God. And so I, I simply, I know it's the front end of the message and I haven't built to where I want to go but I want to pray for anybody right now that you feel that heaviness on you, whether it's life or sickness or you feel a, a disconnect on the inside. But you say, man, I, I need a fresh touch from God this morning. I felt even as we were worshiping, as they were pushing in and they were singing about God's beauty and his goodness. How many of you know sometimes there's a wall? It's like a resistance. And whether you know it or not, what was happening during worship is the worship team was prophesying over you. It's a washing of the soul. At times where you singing things that you don't feel are a reality, we get the opportunity to partner with God in our lips and our voice to step into something that we did not know was available. So right now, if that's you, would you just, would you just stand? It's going to take somebody to be bold. Yeah, it's fine. Just right now, all around the room, we're going to pray for you. Anyone else? We're just going to pray all together. Can I get some of my house church leaders? We're just going to believe God now. I felt during worship, even like for some of you, the season was shifting. And there's nothing wrong. Listen, some of it's demonic and you need deliverance. But some of it is God is shifting you from season to season. And so we pray for grace right now to fully let go and to embrace God's leadership. So, so, Father, in Jesus' name, can you pray with me all across the room? Father, in Jesus' name, God, we speak right now to every person, every husband, every wife, every daughter. God, would you lift off the heavy yoke and the burden? God, would you silence every voice of accusation, every voice that would speak against the knowledge of God? God, we speak. Would you shut the mouth of the devourer? God, would you begin to turn and to shift circumstances? God, you say ask, and it will be given to you. 
Seek and you will find, and knock and the door will be opened. So, Father, we speak for an opening of every door and a closing of every demonic door even now. We pray for deliverance over every mind that is being oppressed, every mind that is receiving torment. We bind depression and anxiety and the restlessness of the soul. Father, we speak healing over every body that is in need even now. For those that feel stuck, we pray, God, would you thrust them into the next season? God, would you break the witchcraft and the manipulation and the torment? Would you break every yoke? We say again, your burden is easy and your yoke is light. You are the God who gives beauty for ashes and joy for mourning and praise for heaviness. We ask you even now, Father, would you wash them with your blood and would you lift off the heaviness? You are the lifter of our heads. God, we pray for every circumstance now. Would, circumstance, would you reach out your hand and heal and restore? God, everything the locusts have stolen, would you, would you bring back? We thank you that you have come to give life and to give it in abundance. We pray for that abundance in our families, in our spiritual walk, in our soul. God, we just, we break agreement that we're empty and we're barren. I thank you that you fill us. God, fill us up even now. Would you ask him, fill me, God. Fill me, God. We're in need. We're desperate. We're needy. Fill us. Fill us with your spirit. We're asking you for a personal harvest. Hear us, oh God. Thank you, God, that you will be attentive to our cry. For those of you that are standing, God hears you. You need to know God hears you. We're not just saying words. There's something about humility, you even standing, that matters to the Lord. So, God, we ask you for reconciliation in every place. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thank you, guys. I just felt that. I want to say one more time because I feel it's significant. One of the worst things you can do when God is shifting you from season to season is refuse to shift with God into the next season. Do you hear what I'm saying? Not every, not every difficulty that we go through or every op opposition that we receive in our life is from the devil. Sometimes as we're praying God to take us from glory to glory to glory, there were things that you could do and partake in and do in this glory that you can't do in this one. So sometimes God's mercy and leadership will lead us places that will cause resistance, right? The Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. That actually for you to be aligned and you, for you to be able to walk in all God has for you, there is going to be a measure of resistance. Say resistance. Now what I'm praying for you is for you not to be that resistance. For you not to resist God from season to season but learn to embrace him. Because we've been saying this for weeks and we're not going to stop saying it. We're believing that God is leading us into harvest. Say harvest. I believe in Jesus' name it's going to pop up on the screen. Harvest. 
I don't want to move off of it. Sometimes as charismatics, we move off of things again and again. But, but I want to root us in that God is wanting us to believe in for harvest, personal harvest, harvest in our families, and harvest in our region. I believe in, in all three of these areas that you should have faith right now that God wants to expand you. As Pastor Tyler says, expansion does not always look like we, we say in the, in, the Western, in the Western paradigm. Sometimes as God is taking you up, he's going to call you really low. Sometimes when God is leading you places that are beautiful, it's going to look like a season of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But in that place, you will have the revelation, he is with me. You see, there are measures and aspects of God that can only be learned in the valley. But nevertheless, we are believing God for harvest. We're believing that he's going to bless our families. Not just, not just blessing numerically. We want financial blessing and we want all that. But that we would experience more of God in our homes than we ever have before. That our homes will be marked with peace. That our children would grow up in the knowledge of God. And that we would raise up the standard in our homes. Not in a religious way. But man, God is calling us to have more of him and less of the world. But that all of that would translate into our region. That we would see the Tampa Bay region turned upside down for the glory of God. Not for the glory of a ministry. Not for the glory of us. For the glory of God. That he would visit our region and we would host him well. The hosting of, of God well in, in, our, in our midst is unto the transformation of a region. We want to host God well. We want him to dwell. We want this to be his habitation. But listen, if what's inside does not go outside, what's inside will die. I'll never forget this story. We were in a ministry school one time, and Bill Johnson was sharing this story that they would do these prayer meetings in their building. And they had this house of prayer that they would gather in, and the staff and the leaders would gather to pray. And if you've ever been in this building, it has, um, a lot, like, the whole room is full of, like, glass. And you can see all the way around and out. And every time they would gather to pray, this roadrunner would come right up to the window. And they, they had an ongoing joke that the roadrunner would join the prayer meeting. Every time they would pray, it would come to the window, and it would peck at the window. It was really unusual. And so it was an ongoing joke with the staff and the leadership that when they had prayer meeting, Roadrunner was going to join them. He was a part of the staff and team. Well, one day as one of the staff is entering the building, the Roadrunner runs into the building, and now they have a problem. They're now trying to, to catch the Roadrunner in the building like he, really, he was about that prayer meeting. He's joining the intercessory team. And as they were doing all of the craziness you can imagine of trying to catch this animal, it runs, trying to run outside, it runs into the glass door and it dies. Oh, yeah. Sad. And immediately as, as it happened, the Lord spoke to Bill and he said, hey, listen, if what's happening inside does not have the ability to go outside, what's inside dies. And I, I feel that for us in this season. That if all we do is celebrate what's happening inside, but the inside does not transfer to outside, then what's inside will die. I'm not prophesying that. I'm saying the nature of what God wants to do is what we have been given, we must give away. And so as, as much as I love what God is doing in our community, and Alan did such a prolific job last week sharing. How many of you were here last week? sharing God's affirmation and delight about us as a community that should motivate us and lead us to live life on a mission. I was just with the room of pastors last Monday and Tuesday, and there was about 75 pastors and leaders from all across Tampa Bay that gathered for two days to pray. 
And as we were praying and seeking God, we began to pray for Ebor and this and for that and all of the things that are going on in Tampa Bay. But there was faith in the room that God wants to do something in our region. Now, I don't think anybody in this room would, would, would question, can God transform a region? But we would need to settle, will God? Do we believe he really wants to? Right? It's two different things. What? Whether or not God can and whether or not God will are two separate issues. We believe God is sovereign. He's above. Are you alive? He's, he, he is not boxed in by our religiosity. He is outside of time. He always has been. He always will be. And so we know God can, but do we really believe God will? visit us, transform us, and do something supernatural in our region? The answer to that question is yes. You say, well, how? You. How will, how will God do the will? <laughs> right? How will God visit a region supernaturally and transform the Tampa Bay region through you? Say me. I believe this. Like, what is God's solution for the Tampa Bay region? God has, God doesn't change his mind. God's solution for regions to be transformed are a people who are in love with him, who are lovesick and motivated by that love to go. And so a few weeks ago, we read Matthew 9. I want to take us there for just a moment. I want to anchor us in week by week by week that God has called us to be followers of the way. Say the way. Now, in the Bible, when Jesus came and he died and he ascended, this movement began. And it wasn't called Church of God, Assemblies of God, this or that, church. Or, it was just simply, are you a follower of the way or not? There was one way. And this movement was powerful. Everywhere that it went, it transformed. The religious system didn't know what to do with it. The lost were being found. It was this beautiful movement. But, but make no mistake, I want to get it right for us because there is only one way. There aren't many ways. The way's not complicated. And we need to talk about this more and more because the Bible says at the end of the age, how many of you believe we're in the last days? Six of you guys. It's more than four, but... This should be sobering to us. At the end of the age, meaning before the Lord returns, the Bible says there will be people that will be heaping unto themselves teachers that tell them what they want to hear. And part of what they want to hear is the way is broad and many find it. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible's clear. And I want us to be a people that are sober and prepared for this. This is why the harvest matters. Because the way is narrow and few find it. There aren't many ways to the Father. There's only one, and it's Jesus. And that one way to Jesus is not lived out through a series of words you said 10 years ago. Those who stand before the Father radiant and sure are those who lived as disciples of Jesus. A follower of the way. Where Jesus wasn't a good ideology. So here's my issue that I'm dealing with right now. We have categorize a mature disciple or follower of Jesus as someone who gives, serves, and attends church. The problem with that is you can't find that anywhere in the New Testament. I would say that's a problem. Right? Because the Bible says that when Jesus returns, there are going to be many that say, Lord, 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 did we not X, Y, Z? And the Father's going to make it really clear. The only thing that's going to matter at this moment is going to say, I never what? 
which means the primary thing that we should be gathering around is the knowledge of God. Do we know him and are we inviting the harvest to know him as well? So, so Jesus in Matthew 9, he's doing his thing, right? Matthew 9, 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages teaching and he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom not only came in proclamation, it came with demonstration. I want to say to you today, God is moving us here. Where again, God's people don't just proclaim a gospel, they demonstrate it. I want to say to you, God still wants to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. The demons still want, listen, the demons still come out of people at the name of Jesus. There's way too many demons sitting way too many, way too comfortable in churches. You think because there's church on a building that demons shake and flee? I'm telling you, there are people that are sitting comfortably demonized in churches. Because we're preaching another gospel. But the gospel of the kingdom, demons have to flee. The blood of Jesus still speaks a better word. I'm sorry if this is uncomfortable. This is Bible. We have to just, we have to just call it because we can't call people out of the harvest into give me a better life prosperity. It's got to be unto the gospel of the kingdom. So Jesus went about proclaiming this gospel, healing every disease and sickness. And then he saw, say saw, seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast. So Jesus went from preaching, demonstrating to an utter awareness of what's going on around him. He saw, he felt because they were distressed like sheep without a shepherd. And then he turns and he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, plead pray to the Lord of the harvest to thrust forth to ekbalo laborers into the harvest. And he gives them this commandment. But you got to understand that when Jesus' disciples were following him, it was so very different than what it means to be a follower of Jesus today, right? When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, what he's meaning is in that time, when you were a teacher or a rabbi, to take on the yoke would mean I would take on the teaching of the rabbi. Meaning the ways of the rabbi became my ways. My primary objective as a follower of this rabbi, right? You read your Bible, they call him rabbi, teacher, servant, master. The primary goal of the 12 disciples was to be with him, to learn what he did, and to do what he did. This was was supreme. To see what he did, to do what he did, and to go out and to demonstrate it. it w- it's what he meant by take upon my yoke. It wasn't like just yoking yourself and staying connected. That's good. But it was to learn. And they're watching him. And he's healing. He's casting out demons. He's cleansing the leper. But then he sees the people and he's moved. And he's giving them insight to how you move in the miracle signs and wonders and a life in, the, in, in proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom. Are you with me? So he invites them in Matthew 9 to see, to feel, and to pray. And as they pray in Matthew 10, if you go a little further, then you see, I don't know how long was between one chapter and the next, but now Jesus is inviting them to become the very answer to their prayer because he calls them and then he sends them. And he goes, okay, now that you have prayed, I'm going to invite you. I'm going to go there. If you want to open up your Bibles to Matthew 10, 
it sh- it's not in the computer, but I just want you to put eyes on it. Matthew 10. Jesus calls his 12 disciples together and he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every disease and illness. Do you see that? To be a disciple of Jesus is to be clothed with authority. To cast out evil spirits and heal the sick and cast out diseases. Do you see? Listen, you show me somewhere in your Bible where that was only categorized for 12 and then you could alleviate yourself from that mandate. But you're not going to find it because to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus is to have authority by the Holy Spirit to cast out the demons and to heal the sick. So then he calls his 12 and then he says, don't go to the Gentiles, the Samaritans, but go only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them the kingdom of heaven is near. Say near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure the leper, cast out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. And he gives them the, the deck. This is the, this is the mission that he's commissioned them to do. To go and as you go, preach the kingdom of heaven is near. Praise God. <laughs> Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. And what Jesus spoke to his disciples thousands of years ago is our mission today. It's no different a mission. Even for a community like us, we do altar, table, road. The reason we're on harvest is we're messaging around road and what's outside. But listen, you're going to start with God and intimacy with God. He's going to touch you. He's going to love you. You're going to be loved by him. And then you're going to do that with people. You're going to share that love. You're going to be accountable. But all of those things are unto going. Going and as you go, you're proclaiming the message of the kingdom. And God has given us assignment as a people. I mean, there's there's so many so disillusioned around what God, I don't know what God wants me to do. Start here, Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth. What good is salt if it loses its flavor? You are the light of the world. But what good is light if it is put under a basket? This is so simple, yet we forget And because we get so caught up with some kind of grandiose assignment, we stop doing first things. I'm not even talking about loving Jesus. I'm saying, listen, you are salt to the earth, so be salty. You are light to the world, so be light. Wherever you are, let your light shine. You don't need a microphone to let your light shine. You don't need an assignment or a title or a degree to let your light shine. You simply need to be aware that you are sent as a missionary. I don't know where you work, but guess what? Wherever you work, you are a missionary there. You are on assignment. You're not doing eight hours to get back to do the God thing. You are in the God thing. Do you hear me? This is a big deal. Because, man, we got a harvest wall, and guess what? God is moving. We sat in staff meeting on Thursday and we shared maybe six or seven testimonies of names that are on that wall and that God quickly began to do a work. I mean, I shared with you guys, man, the first time I put up a harvest wall in our old campus, I was praying for my father. My dad shows up in the service. I shared that story with you guys two weeks ago. How many of you guys remember? As I was going um, to this harvest wall, I spoke to God, and I said it before you, I had to repent. 
Because sometimes when you're praying for loved ones that are struggling, how many of you have grown weary in your prayers? Oh, just Gia, okay. And the, oh, yeah. Oh. I had grown weary after years of praying. And sometimes the harder you pray, the more the person seems to regress. You're like, I don't know if this is working. Like, I don't know. And so I, 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 two weeks ago, I went up to the board and I said, okay, I'm going to write the name down again. God, I repent. And I'm going to go to the tent. How many of you were under the tent? It was so powerful. And between me and God, I said, God, the primary thing I'm going to speak to you about under the tent is my father. I'm not going to beg because I'm not a beggar. I want to talk to you as son. But I want to make you aware of my needs and my wants. So three days pacing, every time I had a moment, I would, God, you know, you hear, you see, you have a plan. And after all God did last week, and I'm standing right here, and Tyler comes up behind me and goes, bro, your dad is in the building right now. He just walks into the building. My stepmom responds to the message. She responds to the gospel. And I find myself at Olive Garden, which is good, by the way. It's anointed. It would have been good enough if it was just Olive Garden. But now I'm having this conversation with my dad. And he's sharing with me about his life. And how he's just sick of the way life is going. And he's wanting to find a new way. And he's sharing with me about coming twice a month here. You see, like, sometimes we we can't just believe that God can. We have to believe that God will. It's not enough to believe God is able. You have to believe it's not, he's not only able, that he will do it in your situation. And we won't give up. We won't relent because he is the Lord of the harvest. It's one thing if it's my harvest, but it's God's harvest, which means he's in charge, right? Some water, some plant, some, but God gives increase. And because God is in charge and he is still Lord above all, I can put my confidence in what he has said. So what do we do amidst disappointment and discouragement and seeing those that we're praying for go even backwards or in, we continue to be salt? We continue to be light. We continue to go. You know, sometimes I just wish that we as believers, you know, I'm, I don't know everybody's wired this way, but one of the worst things you could do to me is tell me that I can't do something especially in the context of like God. It's like, well, I don't know if that's going to work. I'm like, challenge accepted. Because with God, my Bible says, some things are possible. Oh, that was a weak sauce. Some of you are on the some things are possible. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible. And so I know because it all traces back to this weak, watered-down gospel, we don't have a conviction anymore. But here's where I'm at. Until my dad becomes fully followed, devoted, and I believe he's on his way there now, every person I come across is a potential victim for the kingdom of God. I'm serious. Right? Like every person we run across becomes a potential, potential victim to hear about God's love, his mercy, his kindness. Not just on Sunday. Not just on Wednesday. Well, maybe if we could just get them to church. That's good. Yeah, you are church. Church is not a building. God deliver us. Church is a spiritual family on mission with God. Everywhere you go, there is abide. In your workplace, at the gym, at the restaurant, everywhere you go, there is abide. Therefore, there he is. 
He is with you. And so I've been praying for us. God, give us eyes to see. Now, we become a people, like, honestly, man, it, we, 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 when we want something, we get it. Right? Like, we're wired. You only live one life. YOLO. Therefore, I'm going to get everything I want. But sometimes we give all of our attention to things that are so temporary and don't give back fulfillment of soul. And I believe like some of us, it's like we're just, we're, well, we can't do the salt and light thing. We're just too busy. Think about that. We got to like, we've just got to stop for a second and think, are we too busy to do the thing God has placed us for on the earth? If God didn't have a plan for you on the earth, the very moment you would have said yes to him, he would have raptured you. But the mere fact you're sitting here means you are on assignment. And your assignment is more than to be a part of a parking team or hold a camera and give 20 bucks. We won't like do that, yes, but there's more than that for you. And I'm not saying that because we want more. I'm saying that because there's more for you. Like that barrenness of soul and that dissatisfaction and that that feeling of like God I'm discontent is because God has more for you than this and that more for you than this isn't wrapped up around some complicated 40-year prophetic word it's simply you giving God access to every part of who you are I've called you to be salt I've called you to be light so my, my question it's so simple but I just I feel like if we, if we just got the simple things right, we would make such a, such a great impact. Man, are you shining and are you salting? I'm not talking about like Sister Sue salty. I don't think Sue's here anymore. Sue, if you're online, I love you. I'm saying wherever you go, are you representing Jesus well? Let me just, I just want to ask, and I'm not asking this, and any kind of condemning, or I'm not trying to come at anybody sideways, but when was the last time you shared Jesus with somebody? I know it was loud in here an hour ago, but like, the Bible says, without love, that all of this is a noisy gong. Now, I know we've got love going this way, but, but I want to say to you that one of our primary assignments in love is out there. And, and I'm asking God to give us a fresh burden. To like, to grip our hearts afresh that, that there is a world that is slipping greater and greater into darkness. When I say world, I'm not speaking about China. I'm speaking about your neighborhood. I'm not just talking about the homeless, although God cares about those who are hungry and needy. I'm talking about your neighbor, Right? that is next door, that probably has more money that he knows what to do with, but is addicted to pornography and pain pills. The woman who's dealing with depression and anxiety, the man who's dealing with the, I'm talking about that person. When was the last time that we actually had eyes to see and confidence to share Jesus? That we would ask God to break the fear of man off of us. That Jesus would not be our best kept secret. What is that? Man, Jesus is not meant to be our best kept secret. 
Again, we're meant to be salt and to be light. And I'm saying this to us so that we, man, I remember when I first started sharing in our spiritual family about ministry to the Lord and intimacy with him, how hard it was. It was like we didn't have paradigm and language for that. I feel like we're there again now. When we're talking about going out and being salt and being light and being a witness, it's like we're, we're wrestling again, but God is going to give us grace. How many of you believe that? He's going to give us grace to not believe, well, well, we give to the church. That's the church's job. No, it's our mandate as a spiritual family to everywhere we go to understand that you are in a mission. Go and as you go. You're like, when was the last time you saw somebody get healed? Like, I don't know. Well, when was the last time you prayed for somebody who was sick? Like, I don't know. Like, these are, these are all of the things I think God is inviting us into. And, I, and I'm saying this, I'm adding myself into the equation and saying, God, would you give us great grace to see that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, I'm not just going to pray to the Lord of the harvest. I'm going to become an answer to my prayer. I'm going to be on mission everywhere that I go. And I think that this, this here is going to become the plumb line. For those that are, are fans of Jesus versus those who are followers of Jesus. You can be in this building and do all of the religious stuff. You could shout, you could scream, you could jump, you could dance. But you can't say you're following him until you do it out there. And again, I say this to you in joy and love and saying, you're going to see that as you go, the sick will be healed. And those, I remember going on outreach with, with you guys. And we went on downtown Tampa and we were doing like a treasure hunt. How many of you ever done a treasure hunt? Okay, good. We're going to get back on that. But we came into the building and we simply asked the Lord, God, what do you want to speak to me about where we're going? And typically you would wait on God and God would speak to you. Hey, as you go, look for somebody with a red shirt or with a briefcase or with this. or Just something to identify the person because God still speaks. Amen? Okay, good. We're, at least we're baseline there. And so I remember waiting and, and God giving me a very unique description of somebody with a shirt. And I remember walking downtown. So embarrassing. And I saw the person and I knew it was him. And I'm like, I'm going to walk up to him. And I walk right past him. <laughs> I'm like, my heart's pounding. You know. You know what that is. They're like, well, God, if you really want me to, when I'm walking my way back, they'll still be at the bus station. Because <laughs> we just got to talk about it no matter how anointed you are. It's always there. It's never going to go away. And I walk up and like they're smoking weed. And I'm like, oh, so uncomfortable. Like my voice gets high. And I start sharing with them just my story, right? The, the Bible says that, like, as you go, you don't have to worry about what you're going to say, that the Holy Spirit will speak through you and give you the words to say. That's what's it's so broken. We think we have to have all the pedigrees. And, like, we've got to know their address so they can have an encounter with God. 90% of people don't even believe God is real. And 85% and of them don't have anybody that would just stop and see them. 
So the mere fact that you would be on mission and stop, I never forget that interaction. We're sharing and I share my story, how I came and got healed from addiction and all these things. And we prayed together. And again, I don't know all that God did with those gentlemen, but some water, some plant, and God gives the increase. But we can't busy our lives so much that we don't have time to do the God thing. Everybody has an assessment about the church. Everybody's got a blog. Everybody's got a vlog. Everybody has an opinion. I'm like, bro, when was the last time you hit the streets? Our, our, our job is not to assess the brokenness of the church. I'm putting myself included. I'm not, our job is not that. Our job is to love one another and to go. Sometimes going is buying groceries. Sometimes going is going downtown. Sometimes going is getting a group. Some of you in this room, you used to go as a group down to Ebor in the middle of the night and pray. And you would see God do miraculous things. I'm, I, I'm, I'm saying to you, why not again? Why, seriously, why not again? We can't become satisfied just because our buildings are full with the notion that somehow we are winning. And, there, and I, and I want to post to you again, I shared it weeks ago, but I want to share it again, just a few statistics of our region. I'm, we're praying this again and again in our prayer room. I just, I want to get it. Here's the first picture. These blue dots are the churches of our region. And I want you to see this because I want you to understand there is no entity with greater saturation in our region than the church. There are more churches than McDonald's. There are more churches than 7-Elevens and Wawa's. Bless God, we need more Wawa's. <laughs> Buffalo chicken sandwich hits. <laughs> the point is, there is no greater saturation in our region, meaning if every church got a paradigm that he is the Lord of the harvest and he's wanting to shift the region, it is impossible for the region not to shift. You're like, what needs to shift? The next slide will share with us. Do it, God. <laughs> These are the things we're praying about. So when we're praying, we're not just saying, God, move. We're saying, God, there is 100,000 children living in poverty. God, give us grace, not just to pray, but to do. There are 5,000 kids in the foster care system, God. There are 4,000 people living in, at a current wage that they have to work 80 hours a week to pay their bills. 55,000 are unemployed. One in 10 don't have the food they need in our region. In 2022, almost 28,000 people died of overdose. 12,000 abortions happened in our region. 500 suicides. There are over 6,000 kids in our region experiencing abuse on an ongoing basis. That's not abuse once every six months. That's three times or more a week of abuse. That's abuse. And 17% of our region is dealing with a severe housing crisis. Meaning they don't have the money to pay their mortgage or rent. Or they don't have the ability to get into a place they need. So when I talk about the harvest, I want to I change the paradigm from just us getting more people in our church. Do I believe more people will come to abide? Yes, I do. It's why we're making space on the 17th. We're going to go to a 9 and 11, 15. Because we believe there's going to be, we need more space. But also... I want to, as a spiritual family, be able to look back a year from now and see the percentages come down. Not just because we prayed, but because people considered. If there's 500 foster care, 5,000 in the foster care, maybe we're a part of the solution. 
got real quiet. Praise God. But what if instead of just lobbing up volley prayers, we started to ask God, God, how can I be a part of the pro- how can I be a part of the solution? You see, to not be a part of the solution means you're a part of the problem. It's only it's one or the other. To be a people who have been entrusted with the anointing in the Holy Spirit but do nothing with it, it would put us in the camp of the problem. And I'm asking God for grace. And, and I want to land the airplane here. Like, oh my gosh, it's 12.05. You're like, shut up. I'm going to land us in Nehemiah. Here's a great representation. Some of you really felt that, yes. Oh, yeah. She said, you need to speak another, th- another 30 minutes. So that's her fault. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but I want us to go to Nehemiah real quick, and I want you to see. Really quickly, verse 2. I was in Susa, the capital, and the musicians can make their way up, please. One of my brothers and some of the men of Judah came. We're in verse 2, and I asked them about the remnant who had escaped and survived the captivity about Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are what? In great distress and disgrace. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these words, what did he do? When he heard the words, he sat down, he wept, and he mourned for days, and he fasted and he prayed. So what had happened here is the city of Jerusalem was in disarray. I wanted to paint a picture of our region because I would pose to you, is not our city in, pro- in trouble right now? Like, listen, is, is not our city in a state of, of where its walls are broken down? Where there's great brokenness and there's great need, what should be the response? Nehemiah sat and he wept. He stopped And he connected his heart to the issue. He prayed to the Lord. And if I had time, maybe in a couple of weeks I'll share. He mobilized, he equipped in the context of family. And in 52 days, they rebuilt the wall. I believe that what God wants to do in this region is a quick and a swift work. But it is going to take people who are connected, who can stop all the busyness, all the activity, all of the labor to connect their hearts to the issue. My wife asked me to share this story. In 20, I'm so bad with dates. I'm going to prophesy 15, 14. In 2014, I was in a service. And I was preaching in this service. And there was a young guy that he came to our services a lot. And he would come to our services stoned out of his mind. I mean, just blitzed. It was but he would be there and he'd be in the service and we would preach. And it was like every week I would internally pray like, man, I remember that used to be me. God, would you, would you touch him? Would you move? And I would pray, trying to connect my heart. And I'll never forget on a Sunday morning, we were in an altar call and this young man's name was Trey. Trey comes up to the altar and he responds and I don't really know what's going on, but, but I know that I felt God say to me, go talk to him and say X, Y, Z. 
And, and the gist of it was, hey, bro, it's time to like really go all in with Jesus, right? Like if this is God and this is the devil and this is defense, the devil owns defense. You got to commit. And there was a lot of stuff going on in the altars. And I remember that as I was trying to make my way over to Trey, things were kind of winding down and I just didn't get to him in time. So I said within myself, I'll talk to him next time. We used to have a school of ministry on a Tuesday night. And as we're in the school of ministry, they're sharing testimony about Trey responding. But I knew because God had spoken to me that God had more for Trey, right? God was asking me to do something I didn't obey. So I was feeling convicted at about three o'clock in the morning. My father-in-law comes into our room and he says, we've got to go, something's happened. And we're driving over and Trey used to live about four blocks down the road in Merritt Island. And when we get down to the road, the house is, is all roped off with yellow tape. And we don't know what's going on. We're waiting. We're waiting to pray, to respond to the moment. And I'll never forget the officer coming out and saying, hey, Trey's deceased. They were smoking weed. What's said is they were rapping a song. The guy had a gun in his hand. Gun goes off, shoots Trey right in the head. Trey's gone. And I will never forget feeling this immense weight on I said within myself, I'll talk to him next time. And there was no next time. And, and the weight of that, and I'm not, saying, I'm not saying God's on me and shaming me for that. That's just the reality of the world we live in. We say, when I have time, if I get to it. But the reality is the world is paying millions of dollars so you will never have time. And you don't know if you'll ever have the opportunity to get to it. So why not now respond and allow God to use you? Again, God using you doesn't have to look like you preparing a three-point sermon. It could simply look like you being love. But here's what, here's what I'm, I'm asking us. May we be a region where we don't wait till it's too late to take action. I don't know what God did in Trey's heart that day. I don't know where Trey is, but I do know that God was speaking to me to engage with him, and I didn't. And I have immense regret, and here's what I want, that when we stand before the Lord, that we can stand confident that we obeyed. We didn't just pray for the harvest. We didn't just say, God, fix it. We became a part of the solution, amen? So can we stand? to simply make a few calls here the first thing I want to pray is just corporately together that God would help us but there are some of you that you are called to certain spheres and I felt this and I wrote it down there are some of you that you're called to education some of you are called to the business world like your greatest contribution will be to fund ministries and I, be, I believe God wants to bless you in that he has given you creative strategy and wisdom and favor on your life so I simply want to pray, where is God asking you to let your light shine? And what is he asking you to salt? And will you obey? So can we just put out our hands?
Father, we ask you for great grace, even this morning. We don't want to be a people who put our light under a basket or salt without flavor. So God, we repent for any place in our hearts where we have grown cold and grown dull. But God, we're asking you for mercy over the Tampa Bay region, mercy over our families, mercy over our loved ones, mercy over all those on the harvest wall. But God, not just mercy, but grace and courage to go. For those that have the gift of giving and funding, God, would you fund them? Would you send them? Would you give creative strategy to those that are called to the school system, God? Give them open doors. To those that are called to the business world, God, would you establish them? Would you give them favor of upward mobility and grace to share that Jesus is King? For those that are called to go to the streets, God, we pray for those from neighbor to nations. Would you make your name famous across the earth? Would you use us to do it? God, deliver us from only doing the church thing, but help us to give our lives. God, may there not be one more tray. We pray, God, that it would be increasingly difficult for a soul in Tampa Bay to go to hell. I pray for all 1,800 churches in the Tampa Bay region to become beacons of light. Would you raise them up, God? Just ask him, God, where would you have me go? Where can I be salt? Where can I be light? Just ask him. It's not hard. We want to be used by you, God. Speak, God. Speak, Lord. Would you send and commission? God, our hearts say yes to you. I felt to just make an invitation. For any in the room that you're like, man, I've been idle. I've been idle, and but but I'm my heart. I want to respond today to be salt and to be light. I felt to be a moment of just repentance, meaning to turn away and to say, God, I've been idle. I haven't been in the game, but I'm ready to get in. I don't know if it's been church hurt or busyness or whatever, but simply now, if that's you, would you just lift up your hands as a sign, God? I want to respond. I want to be used. I want to go. We want to pray. Just raise it up high so we can pray. Just all across the room, let's just pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask for great grace to be released upon all of these, God. 
We ask for grace for the going. God, open up their minds, their hearts, their spirits. Open up doors of opportunity to be able to minister the gospel of your kingdom, God. We pray, God, would you empower them? Would you give them power? Give them authority to go. That demons would flee. That the sick would be healed. That the dead would be raised. Holy Spirit, fill them. Just ask them. Fill me with your spirit. We pray for miracles, signs, and wonders. For demons to bow. For sick to be restored. pray for all those in the room right now that feel disqualified they feel disqualified like they don't have what it takes father i pray right now that you would bring that you would bring assurance and that you would let them know that as they go you are with them that you will fill them you will give them words to say i pray for deliverance even now grab the hand of the person next to us for two minutes can we just pray pray for the person to your left and to your right I want you to pray loud Father we pray for the harvest even now over our region we pray for the foster care system we pray for the homeless we pray for the prostitutes and the addicts we pray for those in the marketplace that are going through the motions God we pray Holy Spirit would you ignite us would you send us as missionaries would you use us would you bring conviction? Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to respond. Break idleness off of us. That everywhere we go, we would take you with us. We pray to the Lord of the harvest. Send forth laborers even now. Raise them up. Send them. Use them. Empower them. hardest places. Grant your servants boldness and courage. Raise up followers of the way, true disciples. Make us salt and 
again we ask you for harvest personally in our families and in our region touch our hearts touch our family touch our region use us we believe God that you will move we love you we love you and we thank you that you are good we bless you in Jesus name Jesus name everyone said amen amen hey listen yeah it's good if there's anybody in the room that you you're far from God or you feel distant or you know you need to get right with God there are going to be some shepherds up here in the front of the church I don't just want to say words and have you repeat after me I want you to meet Jesus so if you're here and you need to get right with God or you feel distant, I would ask you to make your way, find somebody, they'll pray through with you. If not, we love you. Hey, go be salt, go be light, have an amazing week, and we love you. Give somebody a hug, and we will see you next week. Bless you, bless you, bless you.